The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Good evening. Glad you're with us. It is WTMJ Nights. Big show planned. As always, I want you to get involved. 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. You'll call in. You'll say hello to Matt. He's executive producing the big broadcast, so be nice to him. That's how you get to me. And if you want to start out with a text, we always start out with our text question of the night. Tonight's question. Today's National Tell-A-Joke Day. What kind of joke do you appreciate the most? Is it a pun, a one-liner, a knock-knock joke, a story joke? We are, uh, we may even, now Matt is going to have to be the talent booker on this, but if you call in and you have a, a good joke and you tell Matt and you make him laugh, he will put you through. And we'll do that all night. It'll be like the WTMJ Nights Comedy Club, but you got to have a good joke. And uh, remember, we're on the radio, so... Uh, you know, we don't, um, as much as I enjoy some off-color material, this is not the time nor the place. We'll meet after for a beer. You can tell your dirty jokes. But this is like dad jokes, clean jokes, those kind of things. Uh, 855-616-1620. Uh, Matt, I put, the, I put this on you uh, without telling you. But, uh, yes, you'll, be, you'll not only be the talent booker, but you'll also be the... Um, the bouncer with your finger on the button. If, if we, <laughs> if anybody wants to tell us a joke, I don't know. Do you see, even though I've done, this is, this is a weird thing. I've done stand up for 30 years. I cannot tell a joke joke, a street joke to save my life. I don't, I, you know, I know people who can tell regular jokes and they're hilarious. For some reason, I one, I don't remember any. Even if I hear one and I laugh, I don't remember it. Then I I can't really tell them. I don't know why. I just I guess I do my own material. Are you are you and your friends joke tellers or do you just crack each other up with regular everyday conversations? Yeah, Matt Matt's trying to think if he has a joke. Uh but yes, that's the so that's uh, that's the text question of the night tonight. We, uh, if you're a pet owner, you may, uh, hopefully you'll understand what I'm going through. I'm, I'm a little distracted tonight because my oldest dog, who is 13 now, um, she's not, she's having an off day. You know, I, I guess like, I try to, uh, I try to think of it like people where we all, we have off days. You and I, some day, and you get to a certain age, and some days you just don't feel like doing anything. You're a little off, da, 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 da. and um, today she's just, she's having one of those off days. And it gets when your pet gets to a certain age, those off days you start to pay a little more attention to, because you, you're never sure what's going on. So if you hear anything in the background to me, uh, <laughs> we are gonna uh, we'll see what's happening. All right, we have our first joke of the night. We're going to cross our fingers, get ready to laugh. Bob is in Twin Lakes. Hello, Bob. Welcome. First first caller, what does that mean? Do I get something special? Yes, you get our undivided attention, Bob. Normally, I'm very All distracted, right, well, but I'm paying full attention to you. Well, I'm glad. Okay, this kid walks up to his grandpa, and he says, Grandpa, he says, do you think you can make it sound like a frog? 
And his grandpa says, well, I reckon I can. Kid says, good, because grandma says, when you croak, we're going to Disneyland. (laughs) All right, Bob. We like that one. Very nice. Well, good. Very All nice. Right. That's how we started off. Appreciate it, Bob. Thank you. Yes, there you go. Have if you have, you too. If you think you can top Bob, you, well, good well, luck. I have another one for you. Oh, oh, wait, you have another one? I think Matt might have taken, I think Matt might have uh, taken a holiday. All right, Bob, give me another one. Well, well, uh, you know, in the current uh, climate uh, of politics, I don't know if you saw this morning where NATO started barcoding all of the ships from Finland, Sweden, and Norway, so no, they can I didn't see Scandinavian. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. Are you the guy, Bob, who when you're sitting around with your friends, that you, you've got all the jokes? No, I'm the guy that drives my wife nuts because she's heard them all before, and <laughs> I know that if you don't tell them, you won't remember them. So she's yes. heard them over and over and over. That's 100% true. If you're not telling them, you're not going to remember them. But uh, I'm glad you told us those two, Bob. Thank you very much. So far, you're in headliner status for the uh, WTMJ (laughs) TMJ Nights Comedy Club. All right. Well, thank you. Take Take care. care, You have a good night. You too. All right. So uh, that's Bob. Bob, uh, Bob's starting us off strong. If you're going to try to come back and be the uh, the next joke teller on the big show, uh, the 920, can they be off-color? No, they've got to be PG-rated. PG-rated for on the air. You know? Just, if it was, if we were on overnights, I'd say soft R. But, you know, it's, it's still light out. People are just having dinner. They're driving home from work. We're going to stay PG on this one. And we'll get to more of your do- jokes. And if you want to just answer the question, the text question of the night is, today is National Tell-A-Joke Day. What kind of joke do you appreciate the most? 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. A lot of response. To, a lot of response. National Tell a Joke Day. Uh, you guys are you guys are making Matt work too hard. Dave in Caledonia texts in. Here's the biggest joke of all: the Chicago Bears thinking they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. Dave, I think this is a joke you made up in your head. I don't, I don't hear. That's any, not a uh, joke. Well, oh, or that's true. Uh, to Matt, it is not a joke. That's not. Well, I haven't heard anybody say that yet. Let's let's get past the first preseason game before we get all uh, you know wound up. I like the, I like the people who just on paper go, yeah, the Bears are going to the Super Bowl, the Packers are going here, the Jets are going here, who knows? Uh, but you know, that's Dave's thing. Michael says you can't can't top that Scandinavian joke. No, that was a good one. That was uh, that was Bob's. But Todd wants to try. He's in Milwaukee. Hi, Todd. Hi. How you doing? I'm well. Let's hear it. Okay. Here we go. I asked my dad to help me get my shoes on. He said. I don't think they'll fit me. Here we go. I forget <laughs> Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Uh, okay, that was, I appreciate the effort. Here's the thing. We'll see. All right, DJ wants to... G, coming to the stage now from Menominee Falls, it's DJ. Hi, DJ. So, Brian, uh, I'm Irish, and, uh, you know, the Irish... They like a good joke. And so one of my tests is, do you have yourself a good Irish joke? So my favorite is, Murphy is walking down the Strand with his front door under his arm. And McCarthy sees him and says, Murphy, 
what are you doing with the front door under your arm? He goes, I lost my key. Is afraid I couldn't get to the house. He goes, God, man, what are you going to do if you lose the door? He goes, not to worry. I've left open the window. <laughs> Thank you, DJ. Good Irish joke. All right. Oh, my goodness. There's uh, the funny never stops. See, I like I can't tell. I admire all you people for uh, sending these jokes or telling these jokes because I that's one skill I do not have. I can be funny. I can, you know, get laughs anywhere. But uh, no, I cannot. Boy, Matt, they're coming at you with the Bears jokes from the 708. How do you keep Bears out of your yard? Set up a goalpost. Broom. Touche. Uh, Je- Jeff says, what's the difference between an abandoned motorcycle and the Minnesota Vikings? The motorcycle once had a title. Okay. See, that's something the friend of my friend or the enemy of my friend is my enemy, whatever it is. Right. The enemy of my friend is my enemy or my friend. Yeah. I, yeah. Now I'm confused too. But yes, yeah, since it's mocking the Vikings, you'll take that. You'll let that go. Uh, let's see. Chuck says, a blonde calls to order a pizza and tells the man on the phone she wants a large pepperoni but cut into six slices instead of eight because eight slices is too much pizza. Good morning. Everybody having some fun? All right. We're all having fun, but I saw this today, and we'll keep we'll keep getting to your jokes. So keep sending them in or call up, and Matt will, uh, Matt will hear your joke, and he'll put you on hold and let me know, and we'll, we'll intersperse uh, jokes throughout the night just because why not it's wednesday and uh there's been a lot of things that are not really joke worthy going on in the world so we will try to intersperse a little humor as we go this caught my eye today there are you know you send your kids to preschool they're two three four five years old whatever and if you don't if you're not in that environment you probably think oh that's you know a lot of energy but everything's good no more Kids in preschool are getting expelled than K-12 to students here in Wisconsin. I'm going to say that again and let it sink in because it really shocked me. More preschool children are being expelled from school than K-12 through students in Wisconsin. These are two- and three-year-olds getting expelled. Um, so this was this study was first done in 2005. I know, that's a long time ago, but uh, it found children in state-funded pre-kindergarten programs, including school settings, child care programs, and more, were three times likelier to be expelled than students in K-12 schools. However, in Wisconsin, that rate was more than five times higher. What's going on with our teeny ones here in Wisconsin that they're getting tossed out of uh, preschool? Now, there's also... Even though that study was done in 2005, there's no evidence that says that's gotten better. The researcher is looking at that and going, no, it seems about the same. Uh, Behavioral issues are the number one cause of childhood expulsions in Wisconsin. They're skyrocketing. A study last year said more than half Wisconsin early care and education professionals reported an increase in challenging behaviors such as aggression and acting out, which is on par with national findings. Why are our kids so angry? Why are they acting out? Well, this may not surprise you, but I'll give you the reason, and we'll talk about it. And if you have a child in that age group, are you noticing different behaviors? 
Or maybe your kid has been expelled from preschool. Love to hear from you. 855-616-1620. You can keep those jokes coming as well. we got a lot going on. It's WTMJ Nights. All right. Let's get into... Uh, might as well throw a couple jokes in while we're, and then we'll get back to preschool children getting expelled and what they're using as an excuse, which I really get a little tired of this excuse, but we'll get to it. All right, first, Jake sends in one on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. He says, I wrote this one the other day. What does a cat burglar take for a nervous stomach? Kleptobismol. Kleptobismol. Get it? I like it. All right. After his first attempt, back to the stage from Milwaukee, it's Todd again, folks. Hi, Todd. Hi, thanks for taking my second attempt. Here we go. Ready? Ready. All right. So there's a bunch of commotion on the field at the Dallas Cowboys field. There was a white powdery substance found on the field. They called in everybody to check it out. They didn't know what it was. Finally, they tested it. It's called the goal line. All right, Todd. There you go. Keep keep writing. Keep working. Thank you, Todd. All right, listen, the open mic night is always open. So if you want to jump back in, come on. Uh, one more. Uh, Jeff says, what did, the, uh, what did the male giraffe say when he brought a round of drinks for his friends? The highballs are on me. Good morning. All right, let's get back to this preschool thing because, uh, again, preschoolers in Wisconsin having a rough time staying in school, and I don't understand why, uh, five times more likely to be expelled. They're saying the aggressive behavior is driving most of this. Kids who are, are not only hitting other kids, punching kids, throwing things, having uh, issues, and... While some of these kids are uh, special needs children, a lot of them aren't. Another thing that is uh, baffling is the ratio of uh, African-American boys and boys in general, which, uh, which does not bode well if you are an African-American boy in preschool. They're, getting, they're being expelled at a higher rate than anybody, as are, as are some kids with different disabilities they are being they are being expelled more um part of that they're wondering maybe because of teachers uh bias an implicit bias because they did a study where they tracked the eye movement of some of the um some preschool teachers and when watching a group of students playing teachers spent a lot of time watching the black boys more than anybody else, uh, waiting for bad behavior. But the bad behavior never came. That was the thing. So that, they, that might have something to do with it. But overall, they're blaming the pandemic. Oh, my goodness. Can we keep blaming the pandemic for everything? Because here's what they're no. saying. No, we can't, keep, we can't keep blaming the pandemic. The pandemic's been over. That's why, like... Last last year in school, there was a lot of, oh, well, the kids were out. Now, they'd been back part of the year before, but this was their first full year back. And, oh, well, you know, this was in elementary school. Well, they're not used to being here and blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but most of them were here 
for a number of years before the pandemic. So they know what school is supposed to be. They're saying that these preschoolers, because of the pandemic, uh, their parents were working at home. And the parents uh, were giving them one kind of attention. And if they couldn't give them attention, they just put them on screens so that they could get some work done while they were at home. And they're claiming that because now kids are used to screens rather than interacting with other children or adults, that this is basically grown a generation of very aggressive children that are now unable to stay in preschool. That they're be so that's why they're being expelled. That the expectations at home were very lax. And so now these kids have come to school and they don't get it that they have to, you know, follow rules and stuff. Which to me at that age seems like a bogus argument. Because let's be honest, if you're sending your kid to preschool at three, the chances that they've spent an inordinate amount of time socializing with other children and adults doesn't make any sense. Plus, if your child's three, they were too young to know what the pandemic was. So what do you think the real problem is? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. We got a lot to do. One of those things is get to the WTMJ 24-hour breaking news center because it's 6.30 and Wyatt Barmore Pooley is right. my bicycle. I want to ride my bike. I want to ride Glad my bike. Bike. We're going to get into that in a couple minutes. There's, <laughs> I, have a, I have a little issue with bikes. But first, let's, uh, let's start this half hour like we did last half hour with some jokes. It's National Tele-Joke Day. Josh is in Waukesha. Hi, Josh. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I got a bunch of chicken jokes, but some of them are a little foul. So uh, <laughs> I will I will go ahead and stick to the simple. Why did the chicken not cross the road? I don't know. Why didn't was, the chicken was on, cross the road? He was on the fence. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And, you know, Thank which you, side of the chicken has the most feathers on it? I don't know. The outside. Got one more? Yeah, I do. Uh, which side of the uh, barn do the hens hang out on? I don't know. The broad side of the barn. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Josh, coming in. He's got a niche act. I like that. It's Josh the Chicken Comedian. We'll bring him up. That's very good. Uh, from Janet in Port Washington, why couldn't the sailor finish the alphabet? Because he was lost at sea. Ah. Uh, Oh, this is going to get you mad, Matt. I I got to do it. We, you know we're going to get these. What do Bear fans do when they win the Super Bowl? Turn off the Xbox and go to bed. <laughs> I knew I knew there would be no rim shot for that one. And from the 708, how does a squid go into battle? Well armed. All right, seafaring joke. All right, let's get back to this uh, real quick. This... Uh, astonishing ratio of preschoolers in Wisconsin getting expelled five times more than any student in K through 12. Now, yes, that sounds bad, but let's put it in context a little bit. Wisconsin law says that once you're six years old or older, you got to be in school. So it's much harder to expel a student when they get, you know, into first grade and stuff. So these we're talking about like two to five-year-olds, maybe two to four-year-olds in preschool. Uh, they're blaming the pandemic. And 
as I said before, that, that doesn't hold water with me. If you have a child who you know has some problems, uh, whether it's behavioral or developmental or anything, uh, that has nothing to do with the pandemic. We're, we're past the pandemic. We can't keep using it. One of the problems, and I found this at school with uh, students who transfer in, even in kindergarten and first grade, parents are not always forthcoming about behavioral issues that their children either have had at home or at other schools. And you'll say, oh, was, how did, you know, when, when we're welcoming a new student into the class that's transferring in, it'll be like, oh, you know, we'll talk to the administration. They'll go, yeah, they said went to this school, everything was fine, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the first week usually is fine. And then all of a sudden, these behaviors start. And when you question the parents more and you say, well, did he ever or she ever show this kind of uh, behavior before? Then they'll cop to, well, yes. Or maybe your child is on the spectrum somewhere or, or whatever and you don't really you don't really let the teachers know that well that's going to be that's going to be hard now is that an excuse to expel a child only if they're causing harm to others or if they're causing harm to the teacher which is going which is happening so while i you know i get maybe two years ago you could use the COVID excuse for this kind of behavior, I don't. Uh, I don't think it holds water anymore. And I think it's it's one of these things where, and I'm not somebody who blames parents. I know how hard it is to raise kids. I I can only imagine how hard it is to raise a child who has special needs or behavioral needs. But that's on the parents because if you have a three year old who can't be around other kids or can't be around adults without having meltdowns or misbehaving, that's something you need to work on at home. And then I understand people work, they need childcare. But if you can't leave your child somewhere, it's not always the fault of the school that the, the kid isn't going to be there. It just, I saw the headline, and of course the headline made me laugh because I just thought of juvenile delinquents at three years old. But it is a serious thing, and it doesn't bode well for this child's success going on. Now, yes, children will change as they get a little older. Their behavior will sometimes settle down. Eh, sometimes it doesn't. We all know kids who were, uh, you know, very hard to handle as they got uh, further along in school. Maybe you were that kid. Maybe I was that kid. I'm not saying anything. That's really nobody's business. But, um, yeah, five times more likely than K through 12 students. So if you have a child that age and you're looking to send them to daycare, kindergarten or preschool, whatever you want to call it, do some work at home, be forthcoming with the teachers of the of whatever facility you're taking your kids to and work together. Don't just cross your fingers that everything's going to be okay and then act shocked when you get a call that uh, your kid split somebody's head open with a block. Because I've seen, I've seen that kind of stuff. I've seen some crazy behavior in preschool. And I'm like, what is going on here? But uh, it's happening, and it's happening a lot in Wisconsin. 
You know what else is happening? Oh, we're protecting cyclists. On one hand, good. On the other hand, I think there needs to be a bargain struck with cyclists. Maybe you do too. We'll talk about that and so much more on the other side. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noon and WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620, of course, is the old National Bank talk text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, it's National Tele-Joke Day. People still texting in their jokes. You are welcome to do it. We'll read some. We'll read them throughout the night. Uh, Todd is coming back for his third try. I'm going to say this in advance, Matt. I think Todd is better on text. Really? Because, well, here's Todd's first one. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. That's a good one. Why did the tomato blush? Because it saw the salad dressing. See, Todd Todd comes through. Todd was a little nervous, I think. Maybe he was air. nervous over the phone or yeah. I don't know. I, I've been seeing some stories about AI. I, I don't want to point fingers here. You think Todd Todd's under some AIs? I don't know. I don't know, but but he came through. He came through in the uh, came through on the text. Good for you, Todd. All right, and Judy B sends this one. An elderly man, thinking his wife was losing her hearing, went about twenty feet behind her and asked, "Can you hear me, sweetheart?" No reply. He moved to ten feet and inquired again. No reply. Five feet, still not a word. A few inches behind her ear, he asked, "Can you hear me now, honey?" His wife said, "For the fourth time, yes." I like that one. <laughs> that, that that one's clever. I like that one. It's listen, jokes are jokes are fun. That's I admire there's guys I know who have a million a million jokes and can just tell jokes jokes jokes. And then somebody go, "You're a comedian, can't you tell a joke?" No, I just say funny things. That's <laughs> that's it. All right. I don't know if you're a bike rider, Matt, do you do you ride bikes around the city? Do you uh, are you one of those people? And yes, I said those people. I am, but I'm not. I okay. am because I, like in Chicago, I'll ride my bike down the lake, down the lakeshore bike path. But with the exception of getting from my house to the lakeshore path, I try to avoid roads. Now, see, I don't consider, uh, if you're riding on a path, I don't consider you one of those biker people. I think that's just... Somebody who went out for a bike ride, which is nice, and, and especially if you can ride along the lake, if you're riding through forest preserve trails and stuff, that's nice. I'm talking about the people, the militant bike riders who ha who drive down city streets. Now, do they have a right, a right to be on the street? Sure. And in Milwaukee, we're trying to give them a little more right. Um, protected bike lane, it is complete now along North Avenue. Uh, it stretches from Cambridge to Prospect on the east side of the city. Uh, parking spots along this area will now be in between the bike lane and traffic. So uh, that is supposed to protect the bikers near the sidewalk. This project started in early August, so it is done. So now on that stretch of road, you have protected bike lanes. As somebody who has seen these protected bike lanes in practice in Chicago, uh, okay, that's great. We, I think we need to work as a city here in Milwaukee to encourage people to drive maybe a little bit less. Maybe it eases congestion. Maybe it eases air pollution. 
whatever. People are in better shape. They like to ride. Here's the problem. Cyclists, you uh, tend to want drivers to obey the law, which we should. We should obey the rules of the road, while you believe you are above the law. And you are not. This is, this is the biggest problem I have with cyclists. They're, they don't have, they don't pay attention to anything. And you've seen this. If you've been driving along and you see uh, somebody on a bike, they're not trying to stay close. And I, they're not trying to stay close to the curb or close enough to the parked cars. Which I know is a hazard. You you know you can't you can't ride too close to the parked cars because if somebody throws their door open, bam, you get uh, you get wiped out. There's a term for it. I can't remember what it is, but when you uh, when you hit an open door of a car, there's a term. My brother that happened to one of my brothers. He used to, he rides his bike all over. He does triathlons. He's you know he's nutty, but he would ride he would ride his bike from where he was living in uh, the south south loop to the office where he worked and he was on city streets with no bike lanes and i would say aren't you nervous he was like well sometimes i'm nervous but he also tried to be as careful as possible until the time somebody threw a door open in front of him it's hard it's hard for drivers to be paying attention to everything and drivers have their own list of grievances that I think we could all start adding to. Uh, number one being, put your phone down and just drive your car. That's going to solve most of the problems. Stop stop with the phone. You're not that important. And let's go. Uh, just drive. And now, if you're getting these bike lanes, yes, they say protected, but it's just protected by paint. You know, it's not, it's not like they've built these tunnels down the road to make sure that you have the uh, that you're protected. They're just saying these are these lanes are for bikes. So it goes both ways. But I'm really sick and tired of seeing uh, bikes blow through red lights or bikes make turns in front of cars and expect the cars to always have to stop or bikes jump up on the sidewalk and go along. And before you call and you're all angry, I'm a cyclist. I don't do this. Okay, good. Then you're doing the right thing. But you also have to admit, as a cyclist, that there are people who are not doing the right thing. And those are the ones, no matter how many protected bike lanes you put in, there's still going to be a problem. Because one group of people are expected to follow the rules, and the others, while on paper we say they're, they're supposed to follow the same rules as cars, cyclists do not. What do you think? 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. We'll do more. It's WTMJ. Uh, we're talking about the protected bike lane that has just opened along North Avenue between Cambridge and Prospect on the east side. And uh, yeah, fine, okay, we want to we wanna encourage bike riders, that's fine. We want to keep bike riders safe, that's fine. But uh, how are we going to hold bike riders accountable for their bad behavior? Because we all know that uh, as, you know, as environmentally friendly as biking may be, they are not traffic friendly, and they don't seem to care. Matt, you had a particular pet peeve with cyclists? 
I do. It's when the cyclist at a red light pulls in between the lanes of traffic to get to the front of the line when you're stuck at a red light. What makes it worse is when they're in the middle of two lanes of traffic and then they stick their hand up, you know, wave in the hand to try and make a right or a left turn. But you're technically in the middle lane. Yeah. But that's okay. We're supposed to give them the right of way because they're good people because they ride bikes. They're morally superior <laughs> to us because they're on they're on two wheels instead of four. What about what about the, two wheels instead of four? I know I'm taking this literally just to be funny, but what no, about the, we talked about preschoolers? What about those little tricycles or the four wheelers they ride? Are they supposed to get superiority now? Everybody, yes. If you're riding one of those motorized scooters, you win. If you've got, if you're one of those dorks with the skateboard that has a little motor what on about it, pedestrians? You have the everybody goes. And then pedestrians. Sure, everybody but cars. We're on we're on roads, but everybody but the car has a right of way. That's it's hard enough. It's hard enough, let's be honest, for drivers of cars, trucks, whatever, to see motorcycles, which you know, are good size things. It's hard enough for people to pay attention and be cognizant of motorcycles, which we, we should definitely be. They're motorized vehicles. They have every right to be on the road. Um, but the these lanes where you have to cross over the bike lane to park or you have to cross the bike lane to turn. And yes, we should all be we should all be watching all the time. You should be hyper alert when you're driving. There's no two ways about it. But that alertness needs to go to the biker too. It's the same it's the same gripe I have with pedestrians who don't look and just walk out in the street and expect you to stop. Well, that's fine unless I can't stop. Because you just decided without even looking because you're staring at your phone to step out. We all have to be responsible. And the city is being responsible now and setting up a spot for the cyclists. But cyclists, and yes, I'm talking to you. Take off the helmet and the uh, dental mirror. I'm talking to you. Um, pay attention. Do what you're supposed to do. Jeff says, I get frustrated when bicyclists creep out of the bicycle lane and obstruct motorists. Yes. Um, from the 414, give me a break. We should have more bike-friendly streets and labs for them to ride. That's fine. Or lanes for them to ride. Okay. Yeah, fine. I, I have no problem with that. That's not the issue. I'm not upset that there is a bike lane. I'm upset that even with bike lanes, cyclists, for the most part, do not obey the same rules that we have to do when we're driving or riding a motorcycle, and it is dangerous not only to them, but to the drivers. I think bike lanes are fine. I think the people who use them need to be responsible. All right, you know what else I think? I think it's almost news time, and I think we got a lot to get to on the other side. It's WTMJ Nights. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Hour two of the big show. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. We're here until 835, and then as you heard Wyatt say, it is Brewers baseball, game two at the Dodgers. Uh, hopefully the... Brewers have a little more luck than they did last night, but we will see. I like I like the term subterfuge game. 
Matt, will there be some subterfuge, some chicanery, some hijinks, do you think? You never know what Craig Consul has in his back pocket, but that was a first, the subterfuge. Yeah. Uh, starting Miley, pulling him after one batter, it, it, it's a gutsy move, that's all I'll say. It's it's the equivalent of a trick play in football, and if they work, you go, holy cow, that was genius. And if they backfire, you go, well, that was, you know. Maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. As uh, not not the greatest thing. Uh, just this was. I forgot to mention this, and I was very excited about this. If you work downtown like we do, this is a big week for you. If you are a downtown worker, because you can get free coffee in the morning and free lunch offered to workers this week in downtown Milwaukee. It's Downtown Employee Appreciation Week. Do you feel appreciated, Matt? Oh, yeah, I feel wildly sure. appreciated. <laughs> wildly appreciated. You just got to come in earlier if you want free coffee and free lunch because free coffee every morning is just the start. Uh, they said before the pandemic there were 90,000 people working in downtown Milwaukee. Right now, it's starting to bounce back. It's rebounded. There's about 60,000 people who work downtown. And this week, Milwaukee wants to thank all those workers. How are they doing it? Well, they're giving away 1,000 free lunches. Every day at different parks downtown. If you stop by, there's music, games, there's prizes, all kinds of stuff. Um, you can get coffee in the morning at these places. So there you go. There's uh, fitness classes, special employee discounts across downtown. Northwestern Mutual, which uh, said earlier this year, 70% of its workers are back in the office. So they're happy. Pew Research Center found that 35% of workers are still working remotely all the time. That's down from 55% a year ago, so that's good. Uh, all the events are walkable. If you work downtown, stroll over, get yourself some coffee, take your uh, work BFF, maybe your work husband, your work wife, and uh, go down and get yourself some free lunch and uh, feel appreciated. Isn't that nice? That is nice. It's nice to be appreciated. Something has happened in our family that has happened in most families. Uh, we recently met our daughter's boyfriend for the first time. It's something that uh, everybody goes through. When you're dating somebody, you get to a point, and that introduction has to come. My daughter now has also met her boyfriend's parents, but she had to do that. He's from Pennsylvania. She had to do that over Zoom. So... They met uh, his parents and his sibling via Zoom. We met in person at the Sox game. We took uh, we took them both to the Sox game, and that was it. Now, it's I remember it being very very stressful when you meet not only the parents but some of the extended family for the first time because that's that's when you've kind of taken your relationship to the the next level. You know, you're not just you're not just dating um because quite frankly I'm confused by the levels anymore. But um you're dating and then you have uh, a conversation I guess regarding exclusivity. Matt, you're dating. Have you had do you have those kind of conversations at some point? What's the what's the timeline? Depends. I mean, I'd say you really don't reach exclusivity these days until you're wow, I like about. The way you think. I'd say three or four dates in, or if there's 
other movement than that could be expedited or slowed down. But I'd say, a, like, I'd say I three. don't remember it ever being a formal conversation. It's not, it not. It's not really a formal conversation. It's not like, hey, I need you to sit. We need to sit and talk about this. Well, they did. They had a formal conversation. Really? I guess. Yes. That's why I was shocked. I was, I, and of course, I don't get any of this information uh, firsthand. Unless well, you have this to, you're all, part of the. You're part of the deal now. Well, no. The information gets filtered through my wife. Okay. Uh, I get called. I get called for two things. And I talked about this the other morning because Sunday was one of those things. I get called when my daughter is moving to hang the pictures at her new place, wherever that is. She likes to design these gallery walls where you put things in different patterns and all the pictures. And I am, you know, she, she likes the way I hang pictures. Everything's level. Everything sits exactly where she wants it. Uh, and if she has questions about cooking, then she'll call me for those two things. Other than that, I get all my information secondhand filtered through my wife, which is fine, um, you know, because there's a lot of drama that I don't want to always be involved in. And I can say this now because she is on the West Coast this week for work, so I know she's not listening. Because uh, if, if she was, I'd be in big trouble. But here's my question for you. Um, I would like to know how you met your significant other's family. Did you... Go to something in their hometown? Did you go to a, a like a bar or a restaurant? Who came first? Was it the, the friends first and then the family? Because it is it is stressful. And also, is there somebody in your family that you did not want your significant other to meet for whatever reason? 855-616-1620. It's the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. We'll talk a little bit more about this. After this on WTMJ. To say I love you. Oh, very nice. I just call. We are talking about meeting the parents or the family or the friends for the first time. Where do you do it? Who did you introduce them to first? Uh, it was a big deal when. Uh, now, I, I remember, I've been married a long time, but I remember meeting my wife's family for the first time and it was i was thrown into the mix like my wife and i had been dating for a little while and she is from michigan and she said um my grandparents are having their 50th anniversary party would you want to come with me and being a you know guy who enjoyed being with her i didn't want to you know upset her i said yeah i'll go so that's that's meeting everybody from her grandparents to her mom, her siblings, her cousins, her aunts and uncles, uh, second cousins, everybody, all at once. And I think that was probably better because it was at like a, a restaurant and I was able to wander away and didn't wasn't really cornered by anybody for too long. So it was nice, quick introductions and, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you blah, 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 and then I moved on to the next people, and uh, then we had dinner, it was, so that worked out nice. I'm try, I try to remember how my wife met my family for the first time, and I'm sure it's burned into her memory like some sort of repressed uh, childhood trauma, but because uh, I have this big Irish family, and I would imagine it was at some sort of gathering like the one I was introduced to her family at, but uh, I can only imagine the 
craziness for my wife and my sisters-in-law to have been introduced to my family at one of these big events where the volume level is way up and people are people are not afraid to say whatever they want and at that point you know people were uh, people were drinking a lot more than they do now so it had to be very stressful so i tried to make sure that when i met my daughter's boyfriend you know i first of all i had been warned matt and i know you're going to find this uh, hard to believe they thought i may say something inappropriate <laughs> They, that's that, that's what I was labeled. I was going to be I was going to be the dad who was like a bull in a china shop. So I had been warned by my wife, and then my daughter warned me, and she said, "No matter what happens, if the traffic's bad or if somebody upsets you, you can't. You have to take control." Blah 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 blah. Like, all right, I didn't realize I was. That's no calm. fun. I, I know it's no fun. I had all kind of crazy things to ask him. He went to Penn State for undergrad. You don't think I had a million Joe Paterno uh, questions? I think you had, had a million and one. I had a whole bunch of scandal questions ready to fire it at him. Um, but I, you know, I knew it was important to her, so I was very. Oh man, I was very good about it. Very good about it. She, uh, you know, we were going to the game, and we said, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna get there early. We're gonna tailgate a little bit. And she was like, well, by the time we get off work, we'll just meet you for the game. I was like, all right. So I made the point of leaving early so that if there was traffic, I was still calm. My wife and I got to the parking lot. We had some pretzels. We had a couple beers. And I had one beer left. And instead of drinking it, I said, you know what? I know this, uh, I know this young man likes beer, so I'll save this beer for him when he gets here, which I thought was a class move, right? So... He comes, he seems very nice, we meet, I offer him a beer, he uh, he accepts, he has. He enjoys his beer, and it was a great night, it was very good. Um, and I did, uh, you know, I passed the test, I did, I he he's the one who should have been nervous. Now, he may have been nervous, but he wasn't, oh my God, I hope I don't say something that's going to ruin not only my marriage, but my relationship to my daughter, nervous, which I knew I wasn't going to do. And yet, that was how it was. So it all went fine, and uh, and that was good. And I guess, so then it was out of the way on our side. He had met us. Everything was fine. The night ended great, and uh, that was it. He had already been introduced to all my daughter's friends. I guess that's that must be the way to do it now. you got to check if your friends like the person you're dating. Have you have you ever had to do that, Matt? You run the person by your friends because if they gave them the kibosh, they're gone. It hasn't happened to me, but I've been on the other side of it where I've had friends come up to me and uh, do a little vetting. Really? Yeah. Now, how much weight do you think is put into that vetting? For me personally, if you're happy, you like the individual. Do what you want. If he or she's not a danger to you mentally, physically, emotionally, <laughs> or to anybody else, have at it. I'm not going to be the one that stands in your way. If I see yeah. a red flag that I think could be an issue, then I'll speak out about it. And I have been in situations where there were red flags. Really? And I spoke my mind. I said something along the lines of, this is your situation. I'm not going to 
tell you one way or another, but I see X, Y, and Z happening down the road, and if that happens, you're not going to be happy, and it's not going to be fun. And those red flags did happen. See? Now, you might... This person must have been very close to you because that's a dangerous that's a dangerous situation only because even if you are absolutely right, which it sounds like you were, if they don't listen to you and then, you know, we've all had friends where they'll break up and then you say, well, I always knew that the that other person was a da 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 and then all of a sudden they're back together and now you have to pretend that you didn't say what you said before and it's always awkward, and then you just ghost them and never talk to them again, which is probably best. Peter says, uh, my adult kids met my lady early on. I like when you call her your lady, Peter. Very nice. And my folks are long gone, but I got to meet her family in another state by taking her on a surprise Mother's Day visit uh, for her mom, who she hadn't seen in a few years. We all got along great. That's a good story. That's that's a nice way to meet them. Jeff says, Brian, your daughter may want to count her blessings. Uh, I know many men who intentionally try to act intimidating when they meet their daughter's significant other. Jeff, you w- this kid, very again, very nice. And I say kid, he's mid-20s. Uh, to me, he's a kid. Um, I'm 6'5", 270. I look intimidating just walking up to me, so I don't have to say anything. You know, there's that, there's that unspoken, like, oh, all right. It's probably plus a lot of that that fake intimidation is just old grandstanding. I got nothing against this kid till he does something for me to have something against him. He's you know there. I want my daughter to be happy. If he makes her happy, okay. I don't have to. I don't have to have any sort of animosity till he does something to make her unhappy. And then while I'm concerned, it's her business. So. I will step in when needed. They already they already think I'm going to go crazy. I don't want to prove them right. All right, let's take a little break. Then we'll get to more. It's WTMJ Nights. We've been waiting all night for this moment. Uh, before we go to the news, our text question of the night was, today is National Tell-A-Joke Day. What kind of joke do you appreciate? And then we opened the WTMJ Nights Comedy Club, and we've had... Many performers, both via text and via the phone at 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. And we asked our serious news journalist, Wyatt Barmore-Pooley, if he had a joke. And he, he deferred at first. He said, well, I'm, I'm busy doing the news. I don't have one handy, but I will have one by the time the 730 news rolls around. As promised, Brian. All right. Coming to the stage now, you know him from the WTMJ 24-hour breaking news center. Please welcome Wyatt Barmore-Pooley. All right, Brian. (laughs) Settle down. Settle down. All right. So why did the alternate universe Spider-Man do so well on his driving test? Wow. I don't know, Wyatt. He's an excellent parallel parker. <laughs> I will have you know, Brian, I got that because uh, I, I did. I, I thought for a while trying to come up with an original one, but I did find that joke by Googling worst dad jokes. And then I got a <laughs> I got a list of 200 from men's health. Wow. I like that one because it's 
it's you have to think about it a little. It's not for uh, you know droolers or mouth breathers. You got to be on the ball to get that joke, and I liked it. It cracked me up in the newsroom. That's why I decided to bring that one. <laughs> Very good. And listen, Matt gave you the the rim shot. He gave you the applause. Very nice. Why? Thank you for playing along. I'll be back in. Sport. I'll be back in one minute with the news. <laughs> I can't wait. We're we're gonna dissect your performance after as uh, as you go. Yeah, Wyatt will be back in you know thirty seconds. It's news time. But here's a joke from Peter. Why did the coffee taste like mud? It was just ground. Yeah. Uh, no, Jeff. I said I'm six five, not six seven. Jeff, very nervous that uh, you know about me intimidating the boyfriend or intimidating anyone else. Six five, close enough to six seven, but no, I'm not. Uh, not quite that big, or that tall, anyway. All right, on the other side of the news, holy cow, uh, it's back to school time at the universities, and that means it's also rush week. We'll talk a little bit about Greek life after the news, but now it is 7.30, and we have to go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center and the Comedy Emporium, where Wyatt Barmore... WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Yes, the quintessential fraternity movie, Animal House. It is time for college students to go back to school or start school, and that means on many campuses it is rush week. Maybe your student is going through rush week. Maybe you went through rush week. 855-616-1620. I'm going to admit I don't know... A lot about Greek life, and I'll tell you why. But if you want to call the old National Bank Talk and Text Line or text us at 855-616-1620, were you in a fraternity or a sorority? And if so, what did you love about it or what did you hate about it? And would you recommend it either to your children or to somebody else? Uh, the reason I brought this up is I don't know if uh, if you follow or see any of this uh, with TikTok and other social media, there is a um, the girls from the University of Alabama are on there all the time because it's Bama Rush, and so the ladies who are rushing the sororities at the University of Alabama are putting up their outfits of the day, uh, doing that during Rush Week. When I I went to school at Southern Illinois University, and I loved it. There wasn't, when I was there, there was a very, very small Greek presence. Uh, Greek Row was at the far reaches of campus. Uh, nobody really went there. The only reason you went over there was, one, if you were in one of the houses, or two, that's where the health center used to be. So if you had to go to the doctor, you had to go find Greek Row. Now, you know, many years later, there is a bigger Greek life, you know, the more traditional uh, houses off campus and things like that. And when you go into the bookstore, you see things with the Greek letters. But when I was there, this is how this is how little respect Greek life got when I was in school, and which is why I don't understand it. Uh, it got it would get so bad that at football games, we were still able this this tells you how long ago I was in college. We were still able to bring. Uh, styrofoam coolers and stuff into the stadium to watch the football games. So we would come in with a styrofoam cooler full of beers, and this was the whole student section. 
any time a fraternity came in, they would be pelted with ice and styrofoam coolers. Nobody was throwing the beer because, duh, why would you waste the beer? Um, but it was so that's why I don't get it. Uh, my brothers all pledged, I, I take that back, three of the four pledged fraternities. And when I would ask them about it, they would give me the usual fraternity answer. We can't tell you it's very top secret, which always made me laugh because I'm like, really? What could you be doing that is so top secret to your brotherhood? Unless it's A, illegal, B, immoral, C, so, so embarrassing that you would never want another human being to know that you did it. And only because you're in a group of people who also had to endure the same thing, that's how the secret is kept. Were you in a fraternity, Matt? I was not. Ithaca really didn't have a whole lot of Greek life. See, and I, there's a lot of schools like that. And then I hear other places where if you're not in the Greek system, there's really no social life, which I, I don't understand either. But the, the thing I was looking at today that made me think about this is these young ladies in Alabama are now becoming, and oh, I rue the term, they are becoming internet celebrities because all these people are following them and liking them, and you can, you can follow along with Bama Rush. I don't know. But there's, there's terms that I don't, you know, I know now, only because I, our daughter was in a sorority at Tulane, and I can't remember the, the letters, the three letters to save my life, but I know it was a very, very stressful thing. And this is what I don't understand about Greek life, and maybe if you were in it, you can explain it to me. And I'm not, listen, I don't judge about that because every place is different. It doesn't seem from what I've heard that it would be something I could have either gone one way or another. I probably, in the right situation, could have been the poster child for bad frat boy behavior. But I also know I don't like having to uh, be abused or I know hazing is not allowed anymore, but back in the day it was. I, I don't want to put myself through torture just to be part of a group. I was able to find friends and create my own group without anybody hitting me with a paddle or, uh, you know, there was no livestock involved. Everything was fine. We weren't in a basement wearing hoods and, uh, you know, going through weird rituals. I didn't have to carry something around campus every day. So I, I don't understand that need. But I remember when my daughter was going through it, and it was so, so stressful. And, you know, the maybe it's different for girls than it is for boys when you're rushing, but it's every item of clothing and every shoe choice was judged. You got outlines of what you were supposed to wear and what you were supposed to say and where you were supposed to be, and, you know... If you're trying to rush with a friend, and what if one of you gets in and one of you doesn't? And, you know, I've seen the devastation of people who, you know, it's almost as bad as if you don't get into your first choice of a college. If you don't get uh, asked to join, you know, if you don't get a bid, I guess, is what they're called, bid from your 
first choice then it's like oh and then you get a you hope you get a couple of bids just in case your first it's uh, it's nuts it's just nuts but some people are doing it or a lot of people do it and it's also it's also every time you or not every time a lot of times when you read about scandals at a college uh it's coming if it's not coming from the athletic department it's coming from greek life so I don't know. I mean, I lived in a little dorm that was almost, you know, the size of a frat house. There were about 120 guys in it. Um, you know, we had we had plenty of fun, but we were not we were not involved in that. Were you in Greek life? Would you recommend it? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. The old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, we'll see if we know some of these terms when we come back. WTMJ nights. Hey nights. Boy, if I had a dollar for every time this album was played at a party or uh, a bar or something, what I was just, everybody everybody thought they were going to be the Delta House. Oh man, we're all gonna. Who are you going to be? You're going to be Bluto. You're going to be. It's, it was. Now you've seen that movie, right, Matt? No. Oh no. That's that's horrible. Uh, all right, we were talking about Greek life. If you were in a fraternity or a sorority, would you like about it? Would you hate about it? And would you recommend it to somebody else? Because, again, other than my experience with my daughter, I was not involved in Greek life at all. Parts of it I could see maybe being fun after you're in. But this whole rush thing made always sat wrong with me. Um uh, James says, my son went to St. Norbert in Wisconsin and started in 2020 during COVID. He had one friend he knew. He joined Teak. Now going into his senior year, he has lifelong friends from all over the country. It made a huge difference in his life. See, and that's that's what they're supposed to do. And I know, like, at least with two of my brothers, they are still really close friends with some of the guys that were in their frat. Uh, they were roommates with them in college. They've stayed in touch. Uh, they've used it as networking, which is the big selling point, right? You're, oh, you're going to not only are you going to be with the brothers and sisters that you're in school with right now, but you will have a network of all the alums and the national chapter, and you'll be able to uh, tap into that to get yourself, you know, a good job. Peter says, I was, I was rushed by several fraternities, chose not to join one, but I really enjoyed seeing all the crazy, silly initiation stunts the new pledges were forced to do, like guys dancing the can-can nude across the front of the largest lecture hall with the embarrassed professor being uh, mooned and the audience observing uh, their parts covered by calculators strapped from their waist. All right, that would be funny to see. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that, Peter. That sounds, that sounds funny. Jeff says, as a fraternity alumnus, I liked how I met and became friends with some people I probably wouldn't have otherwise met. I didn't care for their narcotics that frequently seemed to take place in the house, not just marijuana, and I didn't care for being expected to unconditionally support my brothers, even in situations when I disagreed with them, an expectation I frequently violated. My advice for those approached on campus by people wearing Greek letters to recruit them for fraternities or sororities is run. Wow. Um, hmm, not sure about that one. Uh, so some some things. If you're if you're not in the Greek 
system, you may not know there's just a couple of terms. Uh, I didn't know about the big and little. The big and little is when you're pledging, a an active member, an older member, is assigned to you. You are their little. And they mentor you. They give you gifts. They send you things along the way. And then after your year is a little, when you're in, then you become a big. And I remember, oh, my gosh, I remember listening to the the uh, responsibilities of my daughter when she was a big and you know you have to make these arts and crafts for your little you have to give your little gifts your little is your little is your main priority and so a lot going on with uh the litter uh i am glad that they've kind of outlawed hazing i know it still happens but hazing is you know uh, you you all know what hazing is. It's the the behavior that they make they do to people to uh, have them prove their loyalty, to prove their dedication to the frat. <sighs> Got some bad news. Uh, you know, we hadn't heard about conservatorships until Brittany. Then everybody wanted to save Brittany. Mm, maybe this conservatorship wasn't such a bad idea for Brittany. We'll talk about why after this. WTMJ Nights. Nights. Do you mind if we dance with your dates? Mine? No. We were just leaving. Oh, that's what uh, Britney Spears' husband is saying. Did you see this? We all saved Britney. Britney had to get out of her conservatorship. Poor Britney. She, uh, she may be as nuts as people thought before. Uh, maybe not. But here's the question. After... Uh, after you're married once or twice, what's the allure of doing it again? And you can do what you want. I just don't understand it. I know that if I were ever, God forbid, anything were ever to happen, and I got divorced. Now, it's different if you're, if you're a widower, a widower, because that, that's, you know, but if, if you're divorced, um, you know, and you get married the second time, okay, maybe the first one was a mistake, you get married the second time. You get married three, four, five times, just date and live together. Anyway, Brittany and her husband, Sam Ashkari, have separated after what was described as a nuclear argument that involves allegations of cheating. This coming from TMZ. And we know that TMZ is nothing if not reputable. TMZ, they get the scoop. Used to be at uh, Harvey Levin and TMZ, they were just thought of as another gossip rag. But man, they get all the info. So sources with direct knowledge said about a week ago that Sam confronted Britney over rumors that she stepped out at him. Oh, Did you ever see Britney Spears' uh, Instagrams or TikToks, Matt? Nah. She's a little goofy, <laughs> that one. It's in the eyes. Just watch, just watch one of her. She's always dancing in her foyer. And uh, her eyes always... They, she got crazy eyes. There's no two ways about it. I, I don't know any other way to describe them. But she's a little loony. Um... Now, nobody knows if the rumor has any basis in fact, but Sam believed it, and the two had a huge fight. Then, these same sources say Sam has moved out of their house and is now living in a place of his own. It's only a matter of time before Sam files for divorce. Oh, these... These... It's, how... I don't know if I have anybody in my life who would be described as an inside source or a source with direct knowledge. If you ever hear any rumors about me and they say sources with direct knowledge, 
the only people who really have direct knowledge of what I do, other than myself, my wife is the only other person who may have direct knowledge of my behavior. My daughter has no idea. So she could be a source, but it would all be wrong. My dogs probably know more than most people. But they're not telling. They're loyal. That's a thing. Do you, have a, do you think any of your friends would ever be flipped to be a direct source, Matt? If there, <laughs> if there was a scandal, would, could they be paid by TM, TMZ or anybody else to be a source with direct knowledge of your life? I'm curious how much that pays. <laughs> All right, note to self, don't tell Matt anything because he has a price. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. I don't know what that... I would imagine you could probably sell a story for, you know, a good amount of cash. I know those paparazzos make a lot for a, a very exclusive picture, so if you have exclusive information. But if you're – here's my here's my dilemma. If somebody is that close to me that I have confided in them my deepest, darkest secrets, am I that poor a judge of character that they could then be a source to give up my deepest, darkest secrets? Or are the people who are doing it not really that close and just have enough, you know, enough hearsay and things where they can, uh, you know, get away with it and somebody will buy it? So, according, again, according to these, uh, these sources, there, there's been deep trouble in the union for months. Now, they've only been married a year. So it's not like they've been, uh, it's not like they've had a lot of time to fight about it. Uh, Sam wasn't in the house until Brittany's gotten physical with him in blowout fights. I told you she got crazy eyes. You date a person with crazy eyes, you know something is coming. And there's, uh, there's no way, no way around it. Divorce docs have not been filed yet, but, uh, and no, neither one of them are commenting. Very hush hush. So, you know, somebody, Poor Brittany. She just needs to be taken care of. Because I don't I don't really think she can handle it by herself. It doesn't it doesn't seem to be going well for her. So have you come up with a uh, somebody who'd flip on you, Matt? What was that? Have you come up with somebody that would flip on you? I don't know. I'd have to think. There are people who could, but it's anyone's game at this point. I guess. Are they more loyal than money hungry? That's that's what we have to figure out. All right, on the other side of the news, hey, it's Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. That means it's time for the drive through window. We'll get to that and so much more of the news after this on WTMJ Nights. Butter pecan coffee at Dunkin'. That was Dunkin pretty donuts, good. you mean? Uh, yes. And I was shocked by the bill. Shout out Culver's, yeah. Shout I've heard very good things about their fish ride. I'm going to go to Panera. I'm going to get a bagel sandwich. Doritos and Papa John's are teaming up. Anything that says ranch. That's why I barely watch a Western about cattle drives. Uh, because of you guys, I had to analyze the hamburger. <laughs> we eat fast food quite a lot. We talk about it even more. Let's visit the WTMJ night drive through window one more time. With Ryan Newton. Oh my goodness, it is our weekly drive through window where we talk about uh, stories about fast food in the news or new discoveries we made or restaurants or just, you know, because we like to eat stuff. Most of my last week, uh, my last weekend food experiments were at the State Fair. It was unbelievable. As you can, as you know, if you've been to State Fair, it is a 
amalgam of every type of food you can imagine. I uh, I stayed mo- twice. I had the the dish that won the Sporky, which is the award that they give out the Sporkies, and I, I think it's the Drinkies. But the Sporkies are the food award, and they have a, a big contest with all the food vendors. And the winner was the Wisconsin beer cheese lava cake, which was basically a bagel roll or a pretzel roll rather injected with hot beer cheese. That was great. I had that again last Saturday when I was doing the show from the fair. Uh, I had a nice bratwurst, a Usinger's bratwurst. Had some, uh, uh, what else did we have? Oh, man, I had the best cheese curds. The cheese curds, uh, I I can't remember the place I got them. They were recommended to me by Sandy Max. And if, if you ever have a cheese curd question, I, I recommend asking Sandy Max. She knows where to go to get the curds. Because I had them from one place. Not too great. I already told you, Matt, about the, the first weekend I was there, the disappointing tot fiasco. So I steered clear of the tots last weekend. Um, my wife, I guess, while I was on the air, she was wandering the fair. She had some garlic fries. Those were good. And then, um, yeah, bought, uh, I had the coupon book. Had bought my coupon book. We had the cream puff. Had got a little fudge, a couple of beer. It was fun. But the fair is over. And now we must move on. We did, however, buy some. Uh, we were walking through the Expo Center where you could buy all kinds of things. Uh, anything from airbrush T-shirts to giant patio swings to mattresses. You name it. And there was a local place that was uh, selling their summer sausage. And the, uh, I was like, oh, because my wife is from, as I mentioned, Michigan. And in Frankenmuth, Michigan, there is a butcher Kearns that makes this summer sausage that my wife grew up eating. She loves it. Uh, if we're up there, we always pick a big one up and bring it back. And sometimes if she's uh, feeling crazy, she will order some <laughs> to have delivered to the house. Uh, and I'm like, where'd this come from? Oh, I ordered it. Okay, that's great. So, but we're walking by this this thing, and I go, oh, look, it looks like it's summer sausage, just like up in Michigan. And the, the gentleman behind there was like, well, would you like a sample? Well, yeah, what am I, a savage? I'm going to walk by. Guy offers me some summer sausage. I'm going to take a bite. It was delicious. So all of a sudden, I'm doing the show, and I see my wife walk past the uh, Bank 5-9 studio there at the State Fairgrounds, and we're doing the show. And uh, somebody came in after and said, oh, your wife came in and put some things in your backpack. So I'm like, okay. And I look, and there's some brochures and books and things, and then there's half a giant summer sausage in my backpack. I'm sure that was I'm sure that was how it was meant to be stored too, in a hot backpack. But either way, so fair food was great. But let's get to some let's get to some fast food business. For some this is their favorite time of the year. For some it is their bane of their existence. I fall more into the bane uh category than the Excitement category, but it's almost pumpkin spice season. Where do you fall on pumpkin spice season, Matt? I don't like it. Okay, good. Then we can we can continue to hang out. Have you ever had a pumpkin beer? I have not. I'm not really a pumpkin guy. All right. I never. I never was. I I, I always was. Like, but I've come as I've gotten older. Um, you know, Thanksgiving a piece of pumpkin pie. That's good. Some pumpkin beers are very good. Some are hor- horrible, horrible, horrible. But there's a couple pumpkin beers that are very good. 
But then, of course, you know, the pumpkin spice comes out at Starbucks, and all the basic, uh, all the basic folk, they're very, very excited that pumpkin spice is here, and pumpkin spice is in everything, cereal, coffee, everything. Well, now, guess what? It's coming to your local Dairy Queen. They're bringing back a fan favorite. Uh, pumpkin spice season is going deeper into the summer, they say, and that's why at the end of August, Dairy Queen will bring back their pumpkin pie blizzard. I love a good blizzard. I haven't had one in ages. But man, I I'm actually this is another this is another time Matt where you can revel in my in our age differences. I remember when blizzards were introduced at Dairy Queen. It was wow. Fantastic. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm I'm 118 years old. So uh this one, the pumpkin pie blizzard has real pumpkin pie pieces with mixed up with their vanilla soft serve and it's topped with whipped cream and a dash of nutmeg. But, again, you have to wait for about two weeks because Monday the 28th is when they will, when they will pre- premiere or debut or be available at Dairy Queen. Some people very, very excited about this, as you can imagine. Um, other people, I don't know, still no word on, I don't know if Starbucks has started yet. There's no, uh, no word for me if they're, if they're in. All right, we're going to continue the drive through window. We've got some chicken news and some breakfast news. And if you have any sort of uh, recommendation, something that you tried for the first time, and you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to tell Brian and Matt about this because this is right up there drive through window alley, you can always do that, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talk and text line. More on W. Yes, it's the drive through window. Every week we check in, see what's shaking in the food world. Why not Chick-fil-A? Where do you fall on Chick-fil-A, Matt? Fantastic. Oh, look at that. Are you a nugget guy or a sandwich guy when you go to Chick-fil-A? Depends on my mood. I like their sandwiches. <laughs> I like their nuggets. Whatever I'm, whatever I'm feeling. Maybe right. both. How do you feel about their fr- their those waffle fries? Eh, I've seen better. I'm yeah, I'm torn on them. Now I I I don't go to Chick-fil-A a lot. I still have I I'm still kind of torn with their politics. But every once in a while, it's like, well, you know, I'll do something nice for people and it'll make up for my sandwich. But the fr- the fries sometimes they're really good, sometimes not. It's that I I don't know. I like I'm a fry purist. So, you still give me some fresh McDonald's fries. Those are those are the gold standard. But uh yeah, I like a Chick-fil-A nugget, but I do like their spicy sandwich. Well, they're bringing two new, guess what kind, fall flavors to the menu. Fall flavors, what could they be at Chick-fil-A? Uh, no, they are not pumpkin spice. This one sounds actually very good. The honey pepper pimento chicken sandwich. It is a uh, twist, they describe it, on the original Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's the breaded chicken filet topped with pimento cheese, pickled jalapeno peppers, and a drizzle of honey. I'm noticing this spicy honey trend, and I'm kind of digging it. I like. We were some. We went on a pizza tour a couple weeks ago, which Matt, you're in Chicago. Uh, these pizza tours. This pizza tour was great, but a couple of the places had hot honey drizzled on their pizza, and it was surprisingly delicious. And I like pimento cheese, and I dig a jalapeno. So 
you're taking off the pickle, which comes on your regular Chick-fil-A, and you're putting those things on there. I'm good. When is when is that going to be available? You know, August 28th. We're giving you a couple weeks to start planning your menu, your late summer menus. Now, the other thing that they're adding, I've never had a shake at Chick-fil-A. Have you ever had a shake there, Matt? Nah, it's too dry. The The shake is too dry or just the shake, with a sandwich? My, my thing is if you're going to go for a chicken sandwich, especially a spicy chicken sandwich, you got to get something that's more fluid in terms of a drink than oh, a milkshake. Oh, I see. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, to wash it down. You got to have something to wash it down. A shake doesn't, a shake is good by itself, I think. I'm not a, I, I'm not a real shake with the food kind of guy, but I do like a good shake. I've never had one at Chick fil A. Um, but their newest milkshake, the Caramel Crumble Milkshake, sounds delicious. Uh, it's said to be inspired by the flavors that caramelize at the bottom of a blondie pan. So the shake consists of Ice Dream which is Chick-fil-A soft-serve frozen dairy product, which it's... I, Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you don't have to tell me that. Just go uh, soft-serve, because that soft-serve-like frozen dairy product. That's something I'm I see on sugar-free stuff. Yeah, and I'm also going to start thinking about what it really is, you know? Sounds like they got some chemicals in it, but anyway, once you get past that, like, I don't, if I go to Dairy Queen... I don't want to know what's in the soft serve. Just maybe it's ice cream. Maybe it's just soft. Maybe they can't call it ice cream. They got to. I don't care. It tastes good. You know, if I go somewhere that's ice cream, the hard pack stuff, I, I like that too. Don't don't give me too much information. So this is my fault. I gave you too much information. But let's just say it's got Chick Fil A soft serve with uh, flavors of butterscotch caramel and topped with blondie pieces, whipped cream, and a cherry. Now, both of these items were tested in other places, in smaller markets, and then they did, they did so well that they brought them to the national chain. In uh, North and South Carolina is where they tested the sandwich, and then Salt Lake City, Utah, is where they uh, tested the milkshake. There it was known as the Butterscotch Crumble Milkshake. So the Mormons really liked this milkshake. And the Chick-fil-A is banking on the fact that you will as well. All right, one more drive-through window story before the window closes for another week here on WTMJ Nights. Wendy's, who I do not think of for breakfast, Wendy's is doing very well with breakfast, so much so that they are throwing down the gauntlet that Cheerios is their big competition. Now they are competing with Cheerios. That's how successful... Wendy's breakfast has been. Um, not with I've never been. I you know if if I'm driving somewhere and need to drive through for a breakfast item, it's always McDonald's. Always. The other morning I was driving in to uh, do WWTMJ now. Bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. That's the go-to. Easy to eat in the car. But Wendy's is doing very well. Uh, breakfast sales at fast food chains took a huge hit, as we all know, during the pandemic, but they're bouncing back. Wendy's was one of the few chains that fared well. Sales of their breakfast have since rebounded massively as the economy reopened. According to the uh, CMO, we're competing with Cheerios as much as we're competing with the next QSRs. That's a quick service restaurant, like Panera or something. Um, 
That's something that we have to work through, given the overall consumer cycle related to breakfast has fallen back. But we're seeing, at least in the U.S., a lot more folks getting back out on the road in the morning and seeing the traffic picked up. Wendy's invested a lot in their breakfast. Is it working? I don't know. Matt, i got to ask you again. Have you ever had a, a Wendy's breakfast? I have not. I tend to avoid fast food breakfast. If I'm going to go You're have... I'm going to go have fast food breakfast. It's going to be at a Panera, at a Starbucks, a place like that. I've had McDonald's yeah. breakfast a few times. I've never had Wendy's breakfast, but it's just, I don't know. Breakfast is so easy. You might as well go to a place you know that's going to get it right. Yeah, and, you know, I I'm I love a good Panera egg sandwich. They do a nice job on their egg sandwiches at Panera. Um, so Wendy's is eyeing outsized growth for its breakfast sales in the future. Good for them. Uh, they have French toast sticks, sandwiches and croissant and biscuit buns, and hot and iced coffee. Maybe some, maybe someday, Wendy, I will swing by your drive-through window early in the morning. Um, but don't get your pigtails in a bunch if I don't uh, anytime soon. All right, we got to take a quick break. Then we'll come back. And oh my gosh, George is in the news. Not for the reason you think. That and a little. Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. A few more minutes, and then we will head out to Los Angeles to the Chavez Ravine. The Brewers taking on the Dodgers in Game 2 tonight. Pre-game starts at 8.35, and then first pitch at 9.05. Uh, late, late series this week for the Brewers, so hopefully you can stay up and listen to all the action right here on WTMJ. Uh, we, are, we are wondering... Holding our breath, will this be another subterfuge game? Will there be some hijinks? Who knows? But uh, you'll hear all the action right here. Uh, boy, Georgia is really hogging the news spotlight this week. You know, earlier in the week, we got big news out of uh, Georgia. Monday night when we were on the air, news broke. Uh, former President Trump and 18 other people indicted in Fulton County. So that's big news. Everybody's been watching Fulton County, Georgia all week, but guess what? A yellow-legged hornet, which is known as the Asian hornet, has made its first appearance in the U.S., and where did it come? Georgia, why not? Let's. It's locusts, it's hornets, it's indictments. Georgia is now the scene of the apocalypse. Everything is happening in Georgia. A yellow-legged hornet which is the cousin of the infamous murder hornet. Which, remember when we were all scared of the murder hornets? It was coming, I think it was coming all, right off COVID, and then we were getting murder hornets, and then there were monkeypox and all kinds of things. Well, the murder hornet didn't take over, but its cousin is coming to try to do its dirty work now. Its cousin has been spotted in the U.S. for the first time. It is known as the Asian hornet. It's turned up in Georgia, according to the State Department of Agriculture. Now, you might say, who cares? Well, if the hornet is left uncontrolled, it has the potential to do serious damage to the state's agricultural industry. The yellow-legged hornet is native to tropical and subtropical areas of Southeast Asia, experts say. How did it get here then? And, and if you're leaving Southeast Asia and subtropical areas, why would you go to Georgia? This is this is strange. I never know how these I never know how these insects actually, you know, it's not like Somebody brought one back, or one just flew away from, one was in Southeast Asia going, I'm tired of being here, I'm taking off, 
and then starts flying to Georgia. But they've also turned up in Europe and parts of the Middle East. A single hive can host up to 600 or 600, 6,000 worker hornets. Worker hornets would be a good name for a band, but that's for another day. How do we, how are we not able to stop this? We can, you know, we have technology that can stop every, everything. We can stop, you know, long range missiles. We know when, uh, you know, all kinds of things. We can see storms coming from around the world, but we can't figure out how hornets are getting from Southeast Asia to Georgia and then getting, getting from there back, you know, to Britain and, and uh, Europe as well. I don't know, but how can we, do you think, I never know if it's somebody, you know, we hear sometimes about like when snakes are being found in an area or alligators are in, you know, North Dakota where they don't, it's because people bring them. Are people bringing insects back to the country? This is, this is, you know, nature is baffling to me. How does a hornet get this far? Matt, these are the questions we can't answer tonight. We're not scientists. We don't know why the why the yellow legged hornet is making. Did it did it get a message from the murder hornet to come? I don't know. This is my nature for the night. Always in the background. I I think I've told you this before, but tonight there's a lot of activity. I watch I watch the bear cams from Katmai National Park in Alaska, and I watch the brown bears because now is the time when they feed on the salmon to fatten themselves up for the winter. And so it's always in the background for me because I can always, you know, during the breaks or whatever, I can turn my head and it's very zen-like to watch the water and watch the bears do what they have to do. And uh, I got to tell you, if you've ever, you can go to explore.org. So the cameras are through the National Park Service. If you go to explore.org, live cams, you can watch the brown bears and you just leave it on in the background and you see sows with their cubs and you see older you know male bears that are there and tonight the salmon are really really jumping and it's hilarious to see how patient these bears will be as they just sit there and wait and watch for these salmon and then i don't know why i don't feel worse for the salmon but i'm always rooting for the bears in more ways than one All right, that's it for us for tonight. We will be back tomorrow. Yes, another show at 6 o'clock. We're going to head out to Los Angeles. The Brewers taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers in Game 2 of their series. Big series for the Brewers. Hope they can pull it off. Thank you, Matt, for being uh, so involved in the program tonight. Thank you all for the jokes. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.